Hi folks, I'm Alan Watt and this is Cutting Through the Matrix on March the 29th, 2015. As always, I hope, I really do hope, that you're pulling through into the spring, uh, which appears an occasional place south of the border, more than up where I am here in Canada. Uh, last night, in fact, it hit on a centigrade scale, but minus 25 or 25 below. And uh, hopefully I'm going to get some spring eventually too But we're pretty well in, going into April And it's not really on the horizon that much at the moment But uh, be as it is, well, we're going through global warming, right? That's the reason we're so cold up here Now, we're living, as I've mentioned so many times In such a massively planned psychological muddle, basically uh, by the big forces above us that have trained us since childbirth, that they've influenced us in so many ways that most folk are completely unaware of, in fact, primarily through, apart from your, your, your initial indoctrination and education, apart from that, it's taken up by media and also by uh, entertainment, which is the greatest way to alter behavior of all. In fact, we mimic what we see, we, we even mimic the attitudes of the actors we like or portrayed as likable in special movies and so on. And we we copy, in other words, we're very much into mimicking. Children are, are, are more apt, and you'll see it more openly in children uh, with the language and everything else. They pick up on television, a lot of it which you don't like, in fact, but it's all understood by those who put it out in the first place because the culture industry calls themselves that, amongst themselves, the culture industry, not the entertainment industry. At the very top, you have the economic system and those who run at the top the economic system. There are people, a few individual families, in fact, that slush billions every day into the, the world's economy. They slush these funds around all over the place and everyone else follows suit because they read the newspapers, who's investing in what and so on. And the little guys always, again, emulate what they see even though it's very misleading because it's a game too where those at the top always get out in time and divest the money and put it into another uh, option before they crash a certain market and so on. But that's the name of the game in the system. There's nothing fair about it. It's not designed to be fair. And uh, those at the top will actually uh, really put out the, the old idea of social Darwinism and survival of the fittest that came out of, developed out of that Darwinistic theory and uh, they believe that they have the rights to use cunning uh, and so on. Uh, they, they say that all's fear and love and war, but also it's all fear and economic business as well. And business is not a very nice thing because behind all the smiles of the business suits when they meet together to drink their brandy and so on and sip wine, uh, there's always this uh, competition amongst themselves, vast egos. Many of them actually are psychopathic. There's no doubt about it at all. Uh, you can look at some of the statements uh, some of the top them, CEOs and so on come out with. And the reason they get to the top is they know how to to play the game. Uh, they know what the game is. Uh, they can emulate emotion, affection and so on and fire you just in the, in the same breath, actually, uh, or a, a second later. Uh, they don't really have emotions as we think of it. They have emotion of, of great happiness when they win something personally. And they have that high they get when they succeed in putting other competition under. That's real business, and that's just the way it really is. Uh, competition is taught, and it used to be more blatant in the schooling system. 
uh, where they'd grade you in classes, in fact, and then you compete and compete within the classes for the little gold stars of, uh, that you'd get on your little uh, cardboard uh, form or booklet or whatever, or on the wall. And that's the system. You're, tra- you're trained at an early age to compete. Athletics is just another part of it, to compete, compete, compete. And so are the school exams as well. So we live in a competitive society. Uh, it's, uh, is it natural? Well, some parts of it may be kind of natural because I think young guys in, the, in a primitive society, as they call natural societies, primitive, and tribal societies would compete to an extent but they'd also form their natural pecking orders where one person who might be the best hunter, the best hunter or the best runner or whatever, um, would have compassion and feel part of the rest of the group. If he didn't and he tried to take over uh, as leadership, uh, leader of the tribe or whatever, there's enough people to depose him. When he gets an army behind of him through taxation, then he can pay an army money then you're really in trouble because then you can stay in power, then intermarry with some other psychopathic uh, leader, uh, his daughter of a, another tribe. That's how history's been made, in fact, unfortunately. Now, I've mentioned before uh, that when you have psychopaths in a system of psychopathic control, which is, is never humane, sometimes there's a spillover and more wealth allowed to the people at the bottom, uh, in so-called prosperous times or when they have big plans afoot that maybe a few years hence they'll bring on a war and folk who are happier prior to the war tend to go into the armies and the air force, the navy and so on uh, and to keep what they think is theirs their right to have a good prosperous life uh, once they have running out of wars of course they take all the goodies away from you and um they don't really need you to be happy anymore uh, because they can use you in other ways. Today we're in a scientifically controlled society and they don't have to keep you happy at all for that matter. In fact, they found in, uh, in their neuroscience and so on that if they keep you on edge all the time, they can condition you all the faster because you can't grasp a hold of something for long enough that you call normalcy uh, to hang on to and normalcy develops over time, it becomes the culture and so on. If they can keep that in a stampede, they can shape and direct the, the direction of the stampede according to their planning uh, quite easily. And that's where we are today under the anti-terrorism and so on, global economics, uh, bank failures are threatened all the time. We have bank bail-ins all planned because all of the countries, all the first world countries have signed on to the to the IMF and the World Bank with the, the directions to have treaties and all this that will all do bank bail-ins where they literally take all the deposits out of the, the savers and so on. So we're living in a very crisis-ridden society and then they have the threat of terrorism uh, constantly on the go, which can only end up with the aid of technologies we have it today into a worse system than you had in East Germany's Stasi police and the Stasi police, they, they put a lot of good documentaries out on it, some good movies that were based on fact, uh, written by participants, in fact, or victims of the Stasi. Both uh, actually took part in making some of them. And they show you how innocent people, lots and maybe thousands of them, every year were had their homes bugged. They could bug a home entirely by going in, and within 10 minutes they had uh, many, many bugs and put all over the place. 
They could record everything that happened. They had a little fisheye cameras and so on. Today, they don't need that because you buy all the equipment that surveillance needs. You buy it thinking it's of a benefit to yourself. It's much, much easier. I'll be touching on some of that tonight. That's the way it is. Now, I'm going to mention right off the bat here, too, that at this time of year and all through the winter, I always get lots of people emailing me with problems and depressions and so on. Uh, and from these are from people who uh, have a higher understanding of what's happening in the world and why things are happening. And as always, they, f- they find no solution out of it. And uh, you can't simply give simple solutions to a system which is total. That's why I liken it to the matrix, in fact, because uh, it's very, very much like the matrix uh, system portrayed in the movies as far as realities go. But there are false uh, uh, endings, even within the movie, you, you think you've arrived, the person is going to give you the answer. Uh, you've arrived at the right place, only you find out there's another compartment or level above you or beneath you or to the side of you and so on. That's how this system is. It's a very complex system. And people get depressed in the winter, especially when it's a bad winter like we have now. Uh, and that, that last few years, in fact. There are fewer jobs as well. People are being laid off and unemployed or working so many part-time jobs, they're burned out. Uh, many folk are lonely, of course, naturally, because if you are into trying to understand what's happening in the world, you're getting the patterns, you see how it fits together. It's very difficult to talk to people who are in their programming. They have been well-programmed by from childhood onwards, in fact, and really, they take the world as it's presented to them and everything in the world and all aspects of it, the way the media and the television and so on presents it to them. They take it that way. They think, well, naturally, it's a natural way to, to take it. That's why it works so well for those who run the world. Why would you think uh, that you're being deceived? Why would you think that? In a natural society, why would you think you were born into a form of deception? Being trained not to see what's there, so so it's a, a natural thing for them to cling on to that. I must be right, and the thor- all authorities must be right, all authority figures must be right, because uh, they all say they are, you see, and all their friends do, who are also under the influence of the world being presented to them and have taken it as the presentation is given. That's the hard part for people. And I tell them, when you're really getting depressed about it all, pull back. Pull back. Don't overwhelm yourself with what seems to be negativity. Because negativity will destroy you and put you into a massive depression. You can't allow that to happen to yourselves. Pull back from listening to the bad news. Even this, the show that I do, don't pull back from it. And uh, relax. Allow your mind to relax. Concentrate on the things you must get done to survive and get through day to day. And do the essential things. Uh, but, but pull away from things that just spout out. There's a lot of shows out there that spout fear every day, which is, uh, seems to be overwhelming. It is overwhelming, in fact. And they use a shotgun approach to things. They'll tell you 50 bad things or scary things that are being considered by governments around the world, all at the same time, within an hour or two, and then you're left shattered afterwards in a frenzy 
that's the shotgun approach, scattergun approach, where all, all these problems are whacked at you, and not a single solution is given in the presentations, which makes you wonder why they're doing it in the first place. But again, you remember that a lot of what's called the patriot business is a business for those people. And don't forget that. So without what's happening in the world, they'd have no business. And uh, that's how they do it. Now, you must always pace yourself according to the news that's given out there. And don't become incredibly overwhelmed by it and put down by it until, as, as many people find, they can't communicate. You, I mean, it's very difficult to communicate to those around you who are living in their day-to-day t- television series and their dramas and so on and their news, uh, and you know why things are happening on the news even, or why it's being presented, something's being presented in some certain way, uh, but you can't convey it to them despite your tongue at times. It's not their fault. It's not their fault. Many folks' conditioning is so perfect, it's taken so well on them, they can't understand what you're talking about. It terrifies them if you try and explain to them something that's happening. They always say, choose your battles. As I say, when you're choosing your talks or conversation, choose them. Know when to to talk and and when to listen. And, you know, you don't have to get into uh, some butting of heads. There are a couple of goats. You don't have to do that. It doesn't get any them anywhere because they're, they're not, they've already made their mind up. They're not going to, they can't believe you. If they did believe you, they would crack up, you see. I mean, it fills them full of fear. Someone who's been brought up to think that, why would anybody, why would a system lie to me about so much? It fills them full of fear. It terrifies them. So if they choose your talks to people in conversations and know when to live inside your head. I've told so many folk to do that. But when it becomes overwhelming, pull back. You've got plenty inside your mind to think about. You don't have to listen every day. And this is part of the technique, too, of fear. There are those who put out fear, fear, fear every day because it becomes addictive. I've mentioned this so many times before. And folks should really use the, the archives section, CuttingThroughTheMatrix.com, where I explain the techniques of horror movies and psychology. Even in the worst B-movie, horror movie, people will, will watch it and, and at the beginning will say, oh dear, oh no. But the hook gets in, you see, what's going to happen to so-and-so? And you project yourself as so-and-so, the hero or the victim, and the girl is going to be the heroine or the victim. And the primitive part of your brain kicks in because the horror movies are about impending danger, life extinction, all that kind of thing. And you don't want to turn away because because it works just like a, a horror movie. It works like a dream. That's how it works in a sense, where you're being chased or whatever. And if you turn away or don't tune in, you might miss something. Uh, that's going to save your life. So you listen to these, these these shows that spout bad, 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 terrifying news, very scary, with all the music behind it. Whenever you hear music <laughs> dramatizing someone's words, and it's going bang, 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 whatever the noise they're making at the time, 
that's these are psychological techniques to intensify fear. I hope you understand all that. And you've got to pull back, you see. Switch the darn thing off. Uh, you find out no, no monster's going to get you at the end of the movie because you're not going to watch it. Uh, and it's the same thing when you're hearing Trinity uh, shows every day that are petrifying you. Don't do it. It'll kill you. It'll destroy you. So th- that's a bit of advice for everybody. Uh, because in this world today, you have enough, enough natural bad stuff going on. A lot of you are struggling. We're all struggling, actually, financially. The economies are going down the tubes. China was made and set up to be, not by China, but by the Western countries and their governments in collusion with the World Bank, the Bank for International Settlements, the World Trade Organization, all private institutions, uh, and the GATT Treaty and so on for for trade and tariff. We set up China as a commercial uh, manufacturer of most things for the whole planet. And in fact, we, we funded it through our tax money and so on, uh, unbeknownst to the, the people <laughs> themselves. We funded it all. Uh, and they knew the impact of impoverishment and job losses of non-producing countries. That They knew what would happen. And they knew there'd be depressions, economic depressions, and mass unemployment and so on. That was all decided by our betters, who often pretend they are elected by you, and they're there to serve you, which, of course, has never, in my life, for sure, ever been that actual truth at all. That's the way it is. I'm not saying it's fair. It's unfair. Of course it is. But there's nothing fair in this massive system of economics. There's nothing fair. never will be in an economic system set up the way it is. Uh, we've experienced it for so long. It can't be fair. It's not designed to be. It doesn't want to be. So when you're getting overwhelmed with things, pull back, switch off all the terrifying news. In fact, all news for that matter. And get the things done you must do. If you're unemployed, try and get something to keep tide you over. It's imperative that you try. Uh, You don't have to like the the job. Uh, Just do it. Uh, Earn enough money and it gives you time to look around for something else and so on. That's a little bit better and not so soul-destroying, as I call some jobs, because a lot of them are definitely soul-destroying, if they're repetitive especially. And uh, take care of yourself. Get the, the, the imperative things taken care of, first of all. And when you go back into looking out what's, for what's happening in the world, uh, you'll find that if you've had some peace in you, you must have some peace there then you can handle it much, much better. And don't go right back into the same routine of getting terrified every day, hour after hour, listening to certain things. Uh, Pull back, get the important things that are going on, and keep the the basic view of what's going on, the basic view. You don't have to get all that rest of the extraneous stuff. Get the basic view, and uh, that's all you need to know. And I've gone over the whole big world agenda for so long from documents put out by members of big organizations involved in globalism and, have, and, and boys involved in the culture industry who meet at global meetings as well on how to make sure, along with the educational systems and so on, to make sure that they're bringing up the right kind of society to be manipulated by the system, which is going to get more and more intensive. Uh, these things have been going on for well over a hundred years now, 
and I've also gone through all the different organizations that work for the big changes that help the big international corporations continue. Uh, the big international corporations you'll find are sponsors of all the supposed uh, civil liberty groups, groups and so on out there, and the big cultural change groups that are out there, and uh, and so on and so on. So be, be very careful what you listen to. You don't have to listen to their whole spiel. You know what it's going to be, and you know what spin they're going to take on it before you start listening. And once you understand it, switch it off and start thinking for yourself, because you must get through life. You must get through life yourself. It's imperative you take care of yourself. Now, I've mentioned Bill C-51 in Canada. This is Anti-Terrorism Act 2015. Quite a few times, and I'll just touch on this tonight before I start off, but I warned about it last time. What this would turn into is it's inevitable, in fact, that... um, if it gets passed, it'll turn into... I think even if they don't pass it this time, they'll, they're already doing most of it anyway. It just gives them more right to, to, to do further things openly, I think. But anyway, it says, according to the governments of Canada's Bill C-51, also known as the Anti-Terrorism Act 2000, designed to encourage and facilitate information sharing between government of Canada institutions in order to protect Canada against activities that undermine the security of Canada. And the Conservative Party introduced the idea of increasing security provisions after the Parliament held shooting in October, but didn't formally introduce the Act until January. Simply put, the Stephen Harper government wants to allocate more power to police services and security institutions, like the Canadian Security Intelligence Service, to keep a closer eye on potentially dangerous terrorism situations and prevent future attacks. And it says, why does the Harper government insist we need it? This is from the Toronto Sun. It says, according to the Act's official summary, Bill C-51 would ensure safer transportation services for Canadians, allow law enforcement to step in and arrest without question a person they suspect is about to carry out a terrorist attack, and it would increase the protection of witnesses who come forward with information on a potential terrorist attack. Now, You'll often find witnesses who come forward are witnesses they've already grabbed, you see, uh, who are already in jail, awaiting some sentence for maybe their part in something or or knowing someone or whatever and being involved in something. And it's well known in this whole judicial system that we live in uh, that uh, they they can make things up to get out and get other people incriminated who have nothing to do with them whatsoever. Uh, that's fairly common in a criminal justice system. Uh, we hear about it all the time. And it would simply increase as we go. Because every other country that was totalitarian had used the same techniques in the past. This is what happens. No one's become safe at all. Even folk they don't like, uh, they'll rat on them. And, uh, and once you're on a list, you know, you can't really prove innocence. If they, once you're on a list, government does not... As people, as people who are in government have told me, uh, work very fast to correct mistakes. They don't do that. They're so slow. They go round corners on four wheels, basically square wheels. <laughs> the lumber, in other words. And once you're on a list, uh, your life can become absolute hell. Absolute hell. You can imagine each trip you would take in a vehicle, and they'd have your license plate, you have the automatic scanners now as you drive by, and they'd pull you over just to harass you or question you 
and so on, because they've already, the police themselves are already judged. They've already judged you. It's been, the judgment's been made for them that you're suspicious. You see, if you're on a list, and that's a sad truth of uh, <laughs> so-called civilization. It says essentially, the government will increase its role in national security to keep a constant watchful eye on potentially harmful situations and end them before anyone is hurt or killed. And, and uh, this is why is it so controversial? The civil liberty groups and other critics have claimed the bill stretches the definition of security to potentially include peaceful protests, further restrict freedom of expression, and raises privacy concerns since the Act would allow federal institutions such as the Health Canada and Revenue Canada to share private information with the RCMP. Uh, critics have also expressed grave concerns that it fails to define terrorism clearly, and you can't because they're already broadening it to, to include many other things that are, that are not what you would call terrorist-related at all. And that's inevitable as well. This is an attempting to remove all terrorist propaganda from the internet will effectively try to censor freedom of expression on the internet, violating a handful of online civil liberties. Be more than a handful of civil liberties, personal conversations on the phone or whatever, uh, little comments you make, even jokes you make will all be taken awfully, awfully seriously. And uh, this becomes a nightmare. That's the problem with this kind of system. So, it was read a second time, apparently, before the Standing Committee. It was pushed through Parliament fast, the first on January 30th, then February 23rd. It was, it was read a second time. And it's got, I think it's got one more uh, go, and then it'll be into, into law. So, uh, as I say, I these are like bad dreams, because you know the history of other countries that have used techniques like this before in the past. And they're horrific. The stories that come out are horrific how so many lives were utterly destroyed, destroyed uh, by this kind of system that comes in when you have suspicion, suspicion. Another article here it says, Why I'm Fighting Bill C-51 by Elizabeth May. And it says, The reaction to Bill C-51 has been widespread now. Opposition is growing. Well, its short title is The Anti-Terrorism Act is both more and less than that. It's less than anti-terrorism because it's likely to make us less safe. That gives new powers to CSIS to act in Canada and overseas to reduce threats with virtually no limits. CSIS is specifically not allowed to cause death or bodily harm or violate the sexual integrity of anyone. The range of potential activities from break and enter, search and seizure, infiltration, monkey wrenching include powers to offer witnesses immunity from prosecution or from ever having to testify. So, some uh, obscure witness can just say something about you, and that's you. Says there's no requirement that CSIS tell the RCMP what it's up to. That's Royal Canadian Mounted Police. And it's the RCMP that has been successfully countering plots and arresting suspects. Just imagine when the RCMP finds key witnesses have a get-out-of-jail-free card from CSIS, that's the Security Intelligence Service. That and other sections run a high degree of probability of gumming up the works. Security experts, especially those with experience in the Air India inquiry, remind us that it's critical that security agencies not develop silos. 
C51 takes a system that is currently working quite well and threatens to turn it into a three-ring circus without benefit of a ringmaster. And it says it's also less than Canadians would expect, as there's nothing in C51 to work against radicalization. No outreach efforts, nothing for the prison system or the schools as the UK government established in its new law passed December 2014. It is more than anti-terrorism, as a range of activities covered by a new and sweeping definition of threats to the security of Canada in the information sharing section of the bill covers far more than terrorism. It could possibly cover just about anything and certainly would cover those opposing pipelines and tankers, that's the that's the viral groups and so on. And it says it's actually five bills rolled into one. Each part contains provisions that can only describe as dangerous. For example, Part 5, Amendments to the Immigration and Refugee Act, appear to allow the use of evidence obtained by torture. Part 3, ostensibly about getting terrorist propaganda off the Internet, uses a set of new concepts that would criminalize private conversations. That's terrible, that. And not just about terrorism. <laughs> the propaganda section does not require knowing you are spreading propaganda. And terrorist propaganda itself has a definition so broad as to include a visual representation uh, promoting a new concept called terrorism in general. Experts are now referring to this as thought chill. Thought chill. Actually, be thought kill because it'll kill, uh, you'd better kill off any ability to think at all, I think. Since so that's the first MP to oppose C-51, I have now a lot of company, four former prime ministers, six former Supreme Court justices, over 100 legal experts, Conrad Black, Rex Murphy, Tom Mulcair, and the National Democratic Party, the editorial positions of the Globe and Mail, National Post, Toronto Star. The Assembly of First Nations has called for it to be withdrawn. I hope you agree as well, it says here. And that's also on the Huffington Post, apparently. But uh, we're going down the route, the inevitable route, actually, of what happens when countries become more tyrannical and obsessional in a particular ideology of some kind. Today it's it's the need for anti-terrorism and everyone says suspicious. Uh, Anyone who's a bit different at all will be put down as suspicious and uh, possibly dangerous because they, if they don't know much about you, uh, then, yeah, you could be dangerous, but or you could be quite simply happy and you're not dangerous at all. It doesn't matter. See, facts won't matter anymore. And uh, if, if you disagree with various things in government, uh, just by your opinions on things, that's maybe enough to get you into hot water by having an opinion on something or an observation. Uh, it's, uh, well, I've always said that something wicked this way comes And this is repeated down through history, as I've said before And with today's technologies, it makes it all the more easier uh, To carry it all out It's rather sad It's rather, rather sad But, you know, I've mentioned in different talks I've given in the past About how science itself impacts society Very important thing to understand because people don't, people really don't, I think Jack C. Lowell said that people learn by osmosis. 
is they don't really reason or think things through from information from outside that comes to you. It just uh, it, it just comes it just sort of sinks in there, and you don't question it or reason through it or agree or disagree with it. A lot of it, and to do with, with technology, that's part of it because we got to understand that a long time ago. Not so long ago, actually, really, most folk had to travel by horse or horse and cart. Uh, that's the ones that could afford the horses. Lots of folk couldn't. And um, and then for a long time, for instance, in the 20th century, public transportation was the only way that a good part of the, the British people could move around. Trains and mainly buses, actually, uh, to get to their work uh, and all the rest of it. Everything is geared towards an economic system. There's no way out of that allowed in the system. It doesn't allow that because you must earn money even to pay taxes. Uh, uh, at one time, people would become hobos and take to the road and take their chances and uh, maybe die in, uh, you know, uh, in the winter and so on. And, but that was a, even that was a form of freedom and, and the right to choose that. But uh, that's been all taken away too, is they grab them off the streets under various acts, vagrancy acts or mental health acts or whatever, and don't, you, you can't even get that loophole out to, to, to just escape now and walk off and say, I've, I've given up in society. So you must earn money to buy the things, because in, in this system, everything's based on money. You must buy things to, to feed yourself, clothe, clothe yourself warm, heat, shelter, clothing, uh, and so on, uh, and pay taxes. The whole system is a complete system, and you are there to serve the system in actual fact. And that's how you're described in, in economic schools and so on. Um, you're collateral, you see. You, you are a worker. You're a resource, a human resource. And they work out from statistics on your health and so on, uh, and your past health. How long you might get in a, in a working situation in a particular job uh, and contribute to society, as they call it. That means, by the definition of the United Nations, you're a good consumer, so you've got the money to buy things, and you're a good producer. When you become a, uh, just a, a consumer, when you're when you retire, then then uh, you're really a bad citizen. <laughs> uh, and if you become unemployed, you, then are bad. You're not contributing. And you're not contributing taxes and so on and so on. Because government is so huge today. It's massive. And many of the big foundations out there also get tax money for all their non-governmental organizations, which are funded by the foundations. They get tax money added to it because everything is shaped and geared to take you along a particular avenue of believing in the system and why they're doing things environmentally or any other way. Uh, and it's all for your good, etc., etc. So uh, the, we're not simply. I've always said that culture just doesn't develop anymore. It's always planned and shaped and controlled, and that's what it's all about: is massive control, right down to thought control, obviously. But when you introduce technology of any kind into society, you, you, you're not riding around in the, the horse and cart anymore, or Shanks pony, which is your your legs. Of course, you're not walking. And you're into getting a vehicle, etc. And all that goes with it, your insurances, taxes, road taxes, and so on. Uh, in order to get to work or from work and all the rest of it. 
So that changed massively society. And it allowed folk for the first time to get out of these crammed cities into outer areas and travel into work as well. And they get a bit of freedom and peace from, from the crowded, crowded cities. That's all to change because the whole agenda is for the 21st century. They, they want you back in uh, these crowded cities for you lot, but they have a tiered system for those who are middle wealthy and, and very wealthy and so on. A little perks along the way. Everything is based with economics on rewards for those beneath. Uh, so again, technology changes it all. So the vehicle itself changed society massively. And eventually they want to take it all away from you again. And what they replaced a lot of it with is something that helps all of the institutions set up by governments and working with governments and working with the economic system uh, to monitor you all and manage you even better. And, of course, that's the electronic revolution that they had. And many years ago I read on the air articles about the, the, the big industrial military complex and how they were putting articles out in the papers and magazines years ago about if they come to the end of wars, they were already preparing as we were doing this, big global wars, for instance, they were going into security, domestic security systems, cameras, microphones, and so on, and the computer and all the rest of it, even before they gave us the computer. And it's all come to pass. Uh, and, of course, they're always lobbying government, Remember, the definition of lobbying and, and lobbyist happens to be because lobbying government, if you lobby government, you're trying, a special interest group is trying to influence the decisions of government policy. And those decisions then are passed on, which alter your behavior beneath the, the, the government. Of course, if they mandate you must have this, they mandate you must have that. And your police forces, everything, they, they mandate they must start um, getting all these camera systems out everywhere tied into a computerized system in the cars and, and so on and so on. It's all interconnected. So technology itself alters your behavior. What some, when something is placed in your environment, it alters your behavior. They, they knew that with the radio. When the radio came out, the BBC would use it immediately. It sprung up immediately to, to use it for propaganda. Uh, and, and they use it widely for World War One. They found out they could alter people's behavior by ensuring that radios were cheap enough to buy, and they could put them in workplaces, even in factories at times, uh, and you would listen to his shows, and they'd give you, they found the cliffhanger dramas where you're left with a cliffhanger at the end, or oh, tune in tomorrow for the serial. Uh, tune in and find out what happens to the hero as he's hanging out on the cliff. Will you or won't you die? It, it rushed their homes after work to hear the next episode. So it would alter human behavior. Then you would alter the behavior with, with the use of advertising too, by promoting certain things. People would change their, 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 their dress codes, uh, things like that, their hairdos, all of these things. Then when television came in, bang, that was really off to a big, big thing. Cinema was also used as well. 
and uh, there's tremendous war propaganda documentaries about uh, uh, how to get the people happy, 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 the young folk who don't know any better to join up and go off to war. It was all put across very happy with lots of dancing and so on, and we are the youth and we're going to do all. And uh, an actress dressed up in uniforms who were never in the military telling them why they have to go off and fight, even though the actors weren't going off themselves. Uh, this is management of the mind, you understand. So technology can massively, and always does, alter human behavior. And by behavior too, I also mean your thought, what you think about, how you think about things, why you think about things, and the opinions you'll come, you're led to conclude, and they become your opinions. That's why there's so many neuroscientists and psychologists and behaviors involved with all these big companies that present uh, movies, television dramas, documentaries, uh, things for government uh, documentaries and so on, uh, right down to the management of the Internet on behalf of the authorities. And so that everybody buys their, their personal computer, oh, privacy is yours, and all that nonsense, when they had no intention of that, was for their benefit to categorize you with your personality, uh, style, and so on. They said it was first for advertisers, so they would, they would find out uh, really how you tick and promote things to you. But of course, it was really for all of those involved in it, including government agencies and security agencies, to, to, to personality profile you. And they're constantly doing studies. They handle this data over. In fact, they give access to streams on the Internet to a lot of universities like MIT and so on to profile groups of people and find clusters of people. Why you are in this little cluster, what you all have in common, what other things do you have in common? Why is this massive psychological manipulation will be used on all of the people according to what they observe, you see? That's how precise and how, how, how deep all this goes. Uh, and it works awfully, awfully well for them. So this whole idea with Bill C-51 for Canada and all the British Commonwealth countries have the same kind of bills uh, is inevitable. They planned this years ago. They knew before they gave you the internet, they would bring out all these different bills under different guises at the right times and so on to manage. Because the first thing the government must do, the first job it is, is to preserve itself. And itself means also the whole institution, not just the government, but the system of economics that you are born into. So be very careful when you think about getting this and getting that because it's, oh, it's so convenient it will be used on you. That's the prime purpose of it. The second purpose is to condition you as well and bring you to the correct opinions and observations and all the rest of it. And also to make you think that privacy is a quaint old-fashioned idea. Many folk already do. And you don't understand that people fought for centuries over things such as privacy to have privacy in the first place. When you lose that, you have no security. And when you have no privacy of your mind, it's all over. It's off. It's finished. Forget it. Throw in the towel. So I tell people, try and reclaim your mind. If you want to, many folk don't want to. They're happy. 
And uh, I've read articles by the big global planners before where they've said that many people will love their servitude. And they do, if they're doing okay financially and so on. And they're young enough to feel healthy and they can party and all that. They love their, 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 they love it, they love the system. They're okay, I'm okay, Jack. You know, I'm all right, Jack, as they say. So that's the way it is. Everyone's been divided into different categories. So don't expect, you know, don't expect other people to simply jump on board and start questioning things. And don't get angry at them when they can't or won't. You can't get angry and ostracize yourself completely. You've got to live amongst a world of people. And it takes all kinds of people, you see. And the conflict doesn't help at all. Now, talking about how technology changes our whole way of behavior, I've mentioned so many times about the fact that um, they've known for an awful long time even from World War I, when they took uh, photographs of the troops in the trenches, the troops would behave differently. They'd walk differently. Their stances would be different when they knew they were being filmed. You might have experienced that yourself when someone's taking a photograph of you. You don't stand normally or relax or whatever. You, you'll stand in a different pose or whatever uh, because you're, you're being filmed. Well, they also know that when you're being filmed in the streets by CCTV cameras, then your behavior has changed too. The spontaneity of how, what you, how you joke with your pals, that goes, it disappears because you're being watched. So you learn to self-police yourself. It becomes second nature. Wherever you go, you're being watched and you become more, apparently more into yourself or introverted, you see. And they know this at the top. They want to encourage people to self-police themselves. The way that George Orwell's 1984 portrayed Winston with that, that bland expression of his, because an expression could give you away as being a subversive or a thoughtful person, which was the same thing. Think about this. Here's an article here, right along this inevitable path, as I say. It says, CCTV in all homes, police chief's domestic security call attacked by privacy groups. Now, they've already tried this in, in Britain. I know that in certain areas. In fact, they, they used it for people who were suspected, supposedly years ago, of um, abnormal behavior in the home. They might be kind of loud with each other, whatever it was. Someone would report them, and they come to the authorities and the social workers and so on, and then they put cameras up and watch them. And it says here, Britain's most senior police officers urge families and business owners to install hidden eye-level CCTV cameras to make it easier to identify burglars. Right? Privacy rights groups say it will make the public an extension of the police. Metropolitan Police Commissioner Sir Bernard Hogan Howe they love these hyphens, eh? There's a story behind that too, but that's a different story. Encourage property owners to make a stronger effort to help with criminal investigations. Now, I wonder who's been lobbying him. Is to, you don't think that the guys at the top of these, yeah, they all get they all get lobbyists, you know. And the lobbyists always help them on their in the career path, and they also help them with funding and so and things that they're never going to admit to. It's always been that way. 
Families and business owners should plant two CCTV cameras in their homes' houses, ideally one camera to capture the full crime scene, another camera eye-level to capture clear images of criminals' faces. But remember, everyone under the modern law system and the training of the police boosts everyone down as a potential criminal. That's you too that are sitting in your own home. It says, those who are only able to install one camera must ensure it's at eye level. How claims this is the most important angle. He says, this strategy will make it easier for police to identify them. And it says, however, privacy campaigners have condemned this strategy, claim it will turn the public into an extension of the police. Well, that's, it's beyond just that, folks. I love how they give you these, the, the, these little canards, an extension. It's beyond that. It will alter your complete behavior if there's cameras in the home. You won't be spontaneous. You won't be so happy and joking and all that. Jokes could be dangerous now, you know. A few British households already have CCTV cameras installed and the minority that do position them too high. <laughs> Over the last years, facial recognition software has gotten better. We can apply the software to the images of burglaries or robberies and we can compare those images with the images we take when we arrest people. And it goes on and on and on. But, I mean, uh, th- these are little articles here meant to make you, and a lot of folk will, who are conditioned, well, oh, well, we should do that, yeah, yeah, yeah. And this is how they, they don't question all the dangers to it all at all. It doesn't enter in their heads. Now, on many of the talks I've given in the past, I've gone through a lot of the history of this and even the history of the Psychiatric Association that it's not just involved in psychiatry, believe it or not. It's a big political push at the beginning to create a psychiatric professional movement with the intention eventually of running the world. Science, and that's themselves at the top, basically. They would determine who should be in power. Uh, they wanted to, a good idea actually, uh, but for the wrong reasons, they wanted to test all t- politicians or people who ran for politics and, uh, and so on to see if they were sane enough to do it. Now, if any, any group had that particular power, uh, then they would, of course, abuse it right away because what's their definition of someone who's sane enough to use it? Uh, if you didn't have the same attitudes as the psychiatric uh, majority who would have their own votes on particular topics, then you, you wouldn't get in. On the other hand, I personally do believe that anyone with any kind of power over the public, right down to the policeman, should be tested for psychopathy. I really believe that. I really, really do believe that. And that goes for any government worker who's involved in your taxation and all the other things that they do. And anybody who, who's in charge of housing and, 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 and so many different fields should be tested for a psychopathy. And this system is mainly psychopaths who get up in charge of things because they're very aggressive. They take the, the risk of the chances. Incredibly manipulative. And they can dispose of all competition as they claw their way up to very good play a thought because they have no conscience. But here's where they're going to go. According to that last article, for instance, that the, where the police just want you to have cameras up to catch burglars, it says, well, here's the other part of it, which falls in naturally. It says, ACLU lawsuit seeks data on the TSA's creepy behavior detection program. 
and that's a transport safety agency. Now, that, that this is the one that's a big one in the States that they created, which is crazy. There's so many agencies tripping over each other. But it says, airport security basically sucks. Being herded through a trans uh, barrier maze alongside a bunch of strangers is vexing enough. Then throw in the bag searches, the bomb swaps, the mandatory uh, doffing and donning of footwear and accessories, the complimentary pat-down. It's hard surprise that some people will come through the experience looking less than cheerful. Nowadays, though, your very reasonable travel emotions, and they go through the different emotions, anxiety, stress, fear, despondency, can earn you even more face time with the Transportation Safety Administration. Since 2003, TSA has toyed with the idea of placing behaviour detection officers in airports across America. They're not toyed with it, they put them in already. I've read the articles in the past. Part of a $1 billion counterterrorism measure known as SPOT, screening passengers by observation techniques, which officially launched in 2007. And they have computer programs too that were invented by other psychopaths who would immediately dive into where they see their prospects of advancement in their paychecks and so on. Anyway, it says, our request under lawsuit is to determine if TSA can adequately defend SPOT. The behavior detection officer's job is to scan travelers' faces for micro-expressions, facial movements that can come and go in the blink of an eye, and are said to convey a person's true emotions. When one of these airport mentalists, and that's really what it's down to, isn't it, spots a, a potentially shifted character, he can take it to the next level by striking up a casual conversation, the idea being that brief encounters may suggest whether a person poses a threat. Signs of anti-social behavior... It says, may result in a traveller being flagged for additional security measures. Between 2004 and 2008, as my former colleague Ben Buchwalder has reported, it says, 152,000 people were flagged, but fewer than 1,110 were arrested. Most of the arrestees were undocumented aliens and had outstanding warrants or were carrying fake documents or drugs, so other reasons caught them, you see. So out of the 152,000 people, really, that were flagged for facial expressions, all, all they got were folk who gave themselves away by fake documents or they had drugs on them or something else or warrants. Meanwhile, the SPOT program, which relies heavily on officers' subjective observations, has been compared to stop-and-frisk police tactics that have resulted, at least in New York City, with a disproportionate number of stops of blacks and Latinos. In an anonymous complaint obtained by New York Times, one Boston TSA officer wrote, that the behavior detection program is no longer a behavior-based program, but is a racial profiling program. Now, all you need to do is take the same program, and they're already doing this, by the way, and putting facial expressions into your homes, like this, like the article just talked about the CCTV cameras in your old homes, and then, of course, uh, why were you irritated, Mister So and So, when you were watching TV and this this was being present? Why were you you had a you had a frowned expression on your face? Well, will they take you in for reconditioning and re-education, like a camp? You know, that will take you into. This is all inevitable, folks. And all the programs that are out there, and again through lobbyist companies and so on to push all this on government, which is is fascist. When government and and lobbyists work together, that technically is fascist. Big corporations involved for financial gain. Uh, To get their products put through lawfully into law to be used in homes and things like that, then that's it over. Then this article here, 
uh, says, are smartphones making our children mentally ill? Uh, <laughs> it's a form of doublespeak in the article. It says, Julie Lynn Evans has been a child psychotherapist for 25 years, working in hospitals, schools and families, blah, blah. Since the 1990s, I would have had one or two attempted suicides a year, mainly teenage girls taking overdoses, the things that don't get reported. Now I could have as many as four a month. Now, what she's mainly saying is their their cell phones, in fact, they can look into all kinds of things without parental consent. They're causing the problem. Society today is broken. Families are broken. There's been a war on family structure for an awful long time to break it up. And the fallout is phenomenal. It's not just the phones, folks. And the push in this article, really, when it gets down to it, is putting more resources into mental health services, which is a big United Nations mandate, has been for many years, to get every child from birth right through an adulthood checked constantly for mental health. And that includes having the right attitudes that are pushed out by the top that you must accept and you must parrot. If you don't parrot it, you're mentally ill. So be careful of the things you, you actually watch and read yourselves. You must always dissect everything and get it from different sides, different angles. And so, as I've said, remember, psychiatry's very early objective was to evaluate everyone in society eventually and, and help run society, including the politics and everything else. That hasn't stopped. So when you see articles like that, be very, very careful it's still the same mandate that's on the go. Rather look at the whole, all the things, the factors are going to destroying all of society, pushed steadily since at least the 60s, actually before that, but steadily since the 60s, until you have dysfunctional everything. How many folk are really functional in any direction at all these days? Be very, very careful. But they don't go into checking themselves who's watching the watchers, who's doing the diagnosis on the psychiatrists. Many of them, too, are psychopathic, by the way. Now, here's an article here that ties in with, again, how technology changes society, not just those who use them, but those who see the potential for using it on you. And there have been many articles out before about schools using uh, apps and giving it, put them into the, the different, um, again, mandating you buy their computer or whatever, like, or even giving you them from the school, and they can then tap in any time they want, uh, any teacher can, and watch what you're doing, and actually watch and hear what you're doing as well, and you can see you undressing in your bedroom. A lot of little these scandals are dying down by now, because folk are being acclimatized to it, those, so it's all quite normal. But this article here says the time-tested BOSS direct observation program is now available as a smartphone app, making it easier than ever for you, this is for teachers, to monitor students' behavior. Backed by extensive research, the BOSS system provides reliable and valid data on specific problem areas so that you can determine appropriate remediations to help students succeed. So it's only help students succeed by you observing them and sneaking and watching them. It says, take advantage of the new app to help easily pinpoint areas for behavior remediation. Use this intuitive tool, it's intuitive, right, with grades pre-K through 12 to assist you in recording and tracking frequency of targeted positive and negative behaviors. 
Again, these are all value judgments by the teacher. You might notice it's like the student. Documenting a student's active or passive engagement and activities. Tabulating data and emailing it to you for further use to help support a disability diagnosis. Who's doing the diagnosing here? And it tells you how to order this BOSS program, B-O-S-S app, and so on. Then it's got training. They have all these different training tool, product tools, and so on. Pre-recorded webinars, conducting systematic behavioral observations in school using BOSS app for iPhone and Android webinar recording. A brief discussion on the basic concept, systematic, direct, observation will first be presented. A full explanation of the BOSS code, its categories and methods of data collection will be provided with an emphasis highlighting the use of the BOSS app available for iPhone and Android. Then it says you may also like the Vineland and Adaptive Behavior Skills 2nd Edition. Social skills improvement system. Social skills. Is that what schools are that they teach you different social skills? Well, they're always upgrading the, the politically correct social skills, right? And, and so on. So that's really an order one. But here's an article here. And it says, Teachers now thought police with extreme new spy tools. Remember, this goes on with the Gerfeck and Britain and everything else. There's many ways to, to monitor you and guide you from birth to death now. With the Gerfeck in Scotland, they put a government-sponsored person, like an agent, really, who, who must come into your home, you must let them in uh, from about the age of two months onwards, and, and they get into all your business, the parental business, everything else, and to make sure that child's getting the right, the right kind of indoctrination, doesn't have any particular dislikes of, of any people or anything else, and so on and so on. So they can always adjust you as you grow up. Says technology is increasingly being used by schools to gather data on students, testing not just their knowledge of subjects like reading, math, and science, but subjective social skills. Social skills. Parents and students have been opting out of high-stakes testing in record numbers over the past year, saying the standardized tests waste valuable instruction time, causing undue stress and often measure skills that have nothing to do with academic knowledge. Rather than merely asking for a right or wrong answer to a math, history, or science question, oh, that's old-fashioned stuff now, that's passe. The new assessment industry is capable of boring into a child's attitudes, values, opinions, and beliefs, all of which parents and privacy advocates say is no business of the government. And that's absolutely true. All of the things that they're going to pry into make you, you. And it's your right to be you. It says the pushback has led some state education systems to recommend a reduction in the amount of high-stakes testing in public schools. But parents, beware. The sudden realization that maybe too much testing is going on is not going to lead to less data being collected. Quite the opposite. In fact, traditional testing may no longer be needed. Schools have found there are better, more efficient ways to collect even more data on your child without resorting to paper and sharpened number two pencils. Oregon's Governor John Kitzeber, for instance, assigned a task force to the problem recently, and after a year of private meetings, the group is ready to unveil its recommendations, which are expected to include replacing standardized tests with high-tech observation tools. And I'll put all these links up, remember, tonight at cuttingthroughthematrix.com. It says fewer tests might, and the link's in here for all that, 
the high-tech observation tools. Fewer tests might sound like a relief to stressed-out students and weary parents. But what if your child's teacher could have access to a software application that allows her to collect data on your child in real time without ever being uh, rolled out in a test? Enter the BOSS app, B-O-S-S. Just run off countless new data collection products available to school systems looking to collect data on the sneak. BOSS stands for Behavioral Observation of Students in Schools. You can do it out of school too, though. That was designed to enable psychologists to observe parents, but has now been marketed to schools interested in tracking students' behavioral patterns. Created by the British-based textbook giant Pearson, the BOSS app can be loaded onto a smartphone and used to secretly monitor every move of targeted students in the classroom, or out of the classroom. Says, does little Johnny fidget in his seat a bit too much? Does he socialize with the students around him in an appropriate manner? Does he tend to stare aimlessly out the window when he should be paying attention to the teacher? All of this information can be pulled in and stored in an individual dossier for later analyzing and assigned an intervention and remediation that will deal with Johnny's shortcomings. Whether they be laziness, lack of assertiveness, over-aggressiveness, or whatever psychological problem the app may discover. Of course, they'll all be infallible, right? <laughs> Boss app can be downloaded from iTunes for $30 and come in age-appropriate versions from pre-K through 12th grade. So this app really uh, is quite something. It's, it's beyond... Many of the other ones are already out there, but again, it's not the only one out there, too. And it says it's, it's the only uh, new technology percolating in the education industry that has the ability to invisibly assess students in real time without their knowledge or the knowledge of their parents. Because parents don't matter anymore. The state owns the children. No one does, actually. And it says, um, here's the article, too. It says, you, you can handle them all app. It says, you can handle them all app. It says, this app produced by Master Teacher, this is another one, describes 124 behaviours that teachers may encounter in their students and identifies the primary cause of each. Oh, they just know it, eh? Could be many factors involved. A teacher using this app places each student in a category with options that include the blabbermouth, the blurter, the boss, the bully, the complainer, the disengaged, and the class clown. How about the labeller? That's for the teacher. It then prompts the teacher with suggestions on how to remedy each unwanted behavior. There's the Pearson Dash, another product by Pearson. Dash, according to the iTunes product description, enables teachers to organize and track your students according to classroom seating charts to record, edit, and email observational notes on your students to view student performance and mastery of skills with success tracker data. Another one is called What Would You Do at School If... This app focuses squarely on social skills put out by super-duper publications. It seeks to elicit answers to sensitive, revealing questions that help schools develop a psychological profile on each student. Instead of a test, this app is presented to a young child as a fun game. That's how, it's much the same as how it's presented to adults. They don't even know they're being monitored and checked and so on. It's fun, isn't it? We're collecting data on a child's parental upbringing and personality. So it's an invasion into privacy of, of many areas too, but they won't push that so much. And what will you do in school if this other, art, this other 
programs. It selects the, the card you want students to see and have them work on solving problems and practicing good social skills. Now, who has said what good social skills happen to be? It changes according to the masters of the era. As we discuss situations in and around schools, the product description says uh, the prompts include questions like what would you do if you forgot your homework and what would you do if your classmate teased you about your new shirt that you wore? Students are then graded based on how many right answers. Now, what's the right answer they give? And what's clearly a test of one's attitudes, behaviors, values, and beliefs? Well, that's why it's designed that way. You're not allowed certain attitudes, behaviors, and values, and beliefs anymore. Birth to death. Reconditioning, reconditioning, re-education. Way beyond the old Soviet re-education camps. The problem with such questions to the privacy officer is that the right answer is clearly subjective and has nothing to do with the student's ability to acquire and retain objective academic knowledge. But most schooling has nothing to do with academic knowledge anymore. It's social engineering. For instance, a parent may teach a boy to defend a weaker boy or a girl who's getting beat up by a bully. But what if the right answer in the role-playing game is to go and tell a teacher or principal? Will the child get marked down if he answers that he would intervene and physically stop the bully's attack? What will be the remediation for this wrong behavioural skill? What will the remediation be? Another thing you might say too, supposing that little boy that's been attacked is beat up or killed when he's off reporting it to the teacher. But in other cases, he shouldn't have gone and helped to break it up first. Because that would apply to a, a, a human uh, adult. According to promotional details in iTunes, the what would you do at school if applets teachers track correct and incorrect responses for an unlimited number of players, receive feedback for incorrect and or correct responses, view results in a graph and see which questions a player missed during a session, print email and share your results with whom? Mental health authorities, agencies, whatever. The same vendor, SuperDuper Publications, puts out a separate app called SuperDuper Data Tracker that allows teachers to increase the accuracy and efficiency of your data collection on each individual student. There are literally dozens of these apps, but they're out there being downloaded by teachers, often at the behest of administrators. Well, they're all getting lobbied, right? And there's money changes hands, believe me. And many of them come tailored to the common core national education standards. That's just coincidence, right? One teacher who reviewed the super-duper data tracker on iTunes said he liked it but wished the data came with increased portability and could be more easily integrated into other platforms. It would also be great if this was tied to a website where teachers had an account and could input large amounts of data on something other than the small screen or temperamental keyboard of an iPad or iPhone, the teacher said. Then everything would be backed up. We could share data with other team members, especially in situations where many people see one student. It's a great app. I just think in the day of iCloud and spreadsheets, it's begging for a big overhaul. Well, that will come regardless because... Eventually, their opinions will overcome uh, any other reason, of course, because it's already happening. And um, and little Johnny will be reconditioned his whole life long into being the proper 
kind of citizen that's been designed by the state. Now, I've given talks in the past that have said, in, they're all in uh, Alan and Watt's Cutting Through Matrix archives, and you can find uh, talks on the big world players who helped create this present culture, who are, many of whom are long dead, because culture's always created, the future's always planned, folks, and who worked at the United Nations and with the United Nations with a big psychological association, psychiatric associations, and so on. And I've given you all the different statements, and even the books they put out, they're all in there, where they said that they would bring this situation where we train from birth to death. So all this isn't just happening spontaneously because of technology. It's time for it to get put forth. And, and many of them, and Bertrand Russell said it too, governments would be unable to resist the temptation to use all these methods to bring up the kind of society that the government itself desires. And that can be any kind of government. Now, as I said before, that's just the way it is, folks. And to get back to what I said earlier in the talk, you must proof your mind. You must proof it yourself and guard your mind because you are you. Everything in you, your opinions and so on, all these different composites of you, that makes you you. That's a natural person. We don't want to go into stereotypes like bricks in the wall on a conveyor belt getting stamped in the same shape and so on. But the big boys at the top don't want you to have different um, viewpoints and so on, which are contrary and, and are sometimes a nuisance to different government agendas. And then you do become an enemy of the state. And at the very least you become put into a label, a pigeonhole. There are many definitions and terms that they use for categories of, of humans in society. We're all monitored, believe you me. It doesn't matter if you're doing radio shows or not, or blogs or anything else. It doesn't matter. You're all getting monitored. And um, the folk who don't like what's happening are already called, and don't belong to any clubs or agencies or groups that are protesting, they're called unaffiliated subversives on the grounds that they don't like certain things that are happening in society today. They're not politically correct. They don't adopt the, the updates you're given on what you should believe and what you should think of certain things and topics and so on. But anyway, don't let this destroy you or flatten you. Don't let it happen, folks, because... When that happens and you all just cave in, uh, you as well as just saying, here's my brain, do what you want with it. And that's not what life's all about, is it? The ones at the top have their own definition of progress. But true progress has been freeing up people from all kinds of slavery by bullies and authorities of all kinds, down through the ages. And we have a brief little piece of it where we have certain rights and so on, and now it's all to be taken away again. And you can't let that happen for any reason given to you by 
by government. You can't go backwards. And for those, as I say, who are being overwhelmed by information, switch off for a while. You don't have to tune into the horror story to see how it ends. You're not going to die tomorrow, whether you tune in or not. You must survive, and you must look after your own mind. It's all you have. And I've often said that the mind has no firewall. Be careful what you let in there, even, the th- even that which seems to expose stuff. Don't let it destroy you. And question the things that you think are destroying you. Be very, very careful. Because you do matter. You all matter. From Hamish Masella from Ontario, Canada, it's good night to me. Your God or your gods go with you.